Good morning, good evening, and good night. I'm Frank Gebhardt, and I'm with my co-host here, Patrick Cortland. Say your introduction there, Patrick. What's up, everybody? How you doing? See, that's that's much better. <laughs> See, we're always broadcasting at weird times, and I wish you guys could understand just the odd... Well, that's because we have weird schedules. Oh, my gosh. It's So it's 10 o'clock at night now. Uh, kids are trying to get to bed. We're hiding off in another room talking I'm in, to you i'm in i'm in the kitchen i'm in the basement yeah well, lucky you i'm in the kitchen like well i, I if the listeners remember it's been a, quite the whirlwind because we just sold our house which by the way we sold our house in less than 48 hours so like if you're in the market for selling a house like now's the time seller's market you know i heard the and, other day though too that it's supposed to come back down in like november ish yeah, it always does usually around election time. And that's why we're trying to, we have to wait because we're building the house and we have to wait because of locking in that rate and it's still below 3%. So nice. we're like, Let's do it. yeah. But anyway, it's been kind of a whirlwind because the room I usually podcast in has kind of been moved around. So now I've, I'm kind of a nomad podcaster. It's all right. We're going to be nomad podcasters when we go to the FOP conference uh, in Indy. Next year. Yeah. Yeah. Podcast hopefully, for the road. Hopefully COVID's gone by then. Uh, well, no well COVID will never go away. Yeah. I mean, COVID will be here. It just won't be like what it is. Yeah. Okay. So uh, th- this is this episode is on the heels of a, a, the stalls. The protocol is actually doing pretty darn good in the, uh, in the ratings and the amount of listens. It's pretty good. And uh, I'm glad because... Uh, Quentin was quite the bit of knowledge and we found out after we turned off the show and stopped recording that he had a, he had a bunch more that he was prepared to go over. So we might uh, do it again or have more. I'm again. telling you, some of these interviews, we could probably go multiple interviews, continue get different perspectives and, and then come back to them with kind of our more informed information. Yeah. Additional questions. Yeah. Because, and, uh, we, well, the purpose is that we just try to keep it around 45 minutes to an hour just so you as listeners can kind of gauge, hey, it's going to be an hour, about an hour episode. And that's yeah. also for, you know, our families, including the producer. <laughs> so she, she knows I'm not spending an hour. Time. Yeah, I got you. It's, it's like my kid's first day of school tomorrow. We're changing schools for him. So. so today's word of the day is qualified qualified like the you said that like like uh koala like the the, like the australian animal like qualified or qualified it is qualified okay and uh the reason we talk about it the name of the episode is qualified to be immune because we're talking about qualified immunity it's a big topic right now in these anti- police rhetoric that has been on the news can't really say and you and i've talked about this many times on the show and in our personal lives that it's the vocal minority that everybody's seeing on the news so even though they are saying to defund the police and all this stuff uh for the most part we've actually had uh you know we work in a a small smaller city and uh 
we've had a lot of positive interactions with uh, even our, con- our the people that we serve and uh and i again i, I just don't I don't see where some of this stuff's coming from, but we wanted to talk about qualified immunity, kind of give our two cents, our knowledge of it. I'm sure, and I hope that some lawyer or attorney uh, can get on here and either piggyback on this or send us an email, rate us. But uh, we'd like to have an attorney's uh, perspective too, but we're going to give you a cop's perspective. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm guessing it's going to be a little bit more layman's turns compared to what you might get with legalese. So we, we, we unfortunately we use that jargon too. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But either way, so we talk about qualified and the word of the day qualified. It's to meet the required standard. Okay. So let's figure, and we're going to, I want you to remember this throughout the episode when we talk about these different things, especially for this case of the week. And then as we move forward to meet the required standard, so that's what qualified means. And that's what you're going to need to get immunity. And immunity means that for some, uh, from some reason, you don't have to get sued or you don't have to get sued, basically. Okay. So, you know, are you qualified to be immune? That's what we're going for. Or even in worst cases, you know, criminal charges against you as a police officer. Right. And uh, yeah, right. Right. So, so here we go. Case study of the week. I got a, a juicy one for you. Maybe not so Ooh, juicy. Juicy. It's juicy for me, yeah. Juicy for you. All yeah. right. Yeah, it's moist. <laughs> moist. <laughs> Some people don't like that word. I know. <laughs> moist. All right. All right. Here we go. So we have Young versus Scott Township. I believe this is out of PA. Uh, so Young is the petitioner, Young's family, I should say, is the petitioner here. Scott Township is the defendant, which is the police department. And, uh, this case centers around an incident that happened in 2016. Okay. So officers were given an involuntarily, I'm sorry, involuntary commitment for psychological evaluation in shorter terms. That basically means that you are believed to... Uh, you might hurt yourself. You might hurt other people. So suicidal, homicidal thoughts, or that you might just not be able to care for yourself, and you're endangering yourself in some way. Yeah, you might be mentally, you might be off your medication, right. And doing things you're not supposed to be doing. So it's different than an arrest warrant where you have criminal charges against you. This is actually a a, a warrant from the medical side of things, saying, "Listen, we are requiring." Patrick Cortland to come in for a medical psychological evaluation. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. He has no choice. He must come in. So it gives the police the power to arrest you because otherwise, you know, using Pat as a, as an example, he committed no crime. There's no reason for a police officer to take his liberties away, his freedoms away. But this, this commitment uh, to get this psychological evaluation does give us the right to lock him up. Kind of lock him up, put him in cuffs kind and take him, him somewhere. Up. Right. Uh, so yeah. So he, Mr. Young was. Uh, well, when when you mean take him somewhere, to clarify, we're we're taking him to the the medical facility. Right. Yeah, like a hospital, the hospital, or whatever medical facility where this person needs to go to get a psychological evaluation. Yeah. And different different jurisdictions in different states have different names for it, but uh, it's all the same. It's a psychological evaluation to make sure that you're not going to hurt yourself, you're not going to hurt others, that thing. So when, when one of these come up, either the officer or the medical staff can actually uh, do like an on 
uh, on site or on scene type of evaluation and, and make that determination or family members or friends who have firsthand knowledge of the 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 comments that were made the plan that the person has to you know to commit the these acts they can fill out a like an affidavit to say hey i swear that this information is true and correct and they have to go and they have to make their case and somebody reads their affidavit and says yep this person needs to be psychologically evaluated or no they don't well in this case mr young his mom and dad went and filled out this affidavit and in their affidavit they said and described their son's actions and said that he's been off his medications. It is the worst behavior that they have ever seen from him and that they believe that he was in danger to himself. So they filled out this affidavit. If it was approved, it was sent over to the police department, the Scott Township Police Department. And so the officers have this, uh, basically this arrest warrant in hand and they go over to serve it. Now, Pat, when you're going to these, is this a one man call? No, it's a minimum of two could be others, depending on the circumstances. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, just like we deal with criminals and we could deal with frequent flyers sometimes with these mental health evaluations. And we may know them from previous involuntary commitments that things aren't always easy. Okay. They can be combative. So we may need to take multiple officers. Right. I mean, uh, the possibility of something going wrong is much more, I'm sorry, is, is increased when you're dealing with somebody who is mentally not there. And, and, and we're given that affidavit on the involuntary commitment so we can kind of read the narrative and in the narrative, if there's things such as, you know, individuals threatening suicide has asked access to firearms. That's stuff that we need to know. And we need to take extra precautions about when dealing with subjects with these involuntary commitments. Right. So we actually, it, it helps us when the family members or the petitioner, whoever it is for the involuntary commitment of the individual writes down information that, you know, as much information as possible. So we know what we're dealing with, obviously we go in there and we're dealing with, you know, an individual who's six, four, 275 pounds you're not going there by yourself, you know. It's, I mean, I have been working out a lot. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, I, I saw you the other day at the gym and or at the pool, and yeah, I can I can vouch for that. But the thing <laughs> what we're talking about here is, uh, you know, our job as peace officers, police officers, whatever ju- you call yourself in whatever jurisdiction you work, is we're we're on, we want to get this person help. We're not going yeah. there to injure the person. We're not going there to hurt. We know that there's a high propensity of a physical altercation just because the person wants to do harm to themselves or somebody else. And that's why we're there in the first place. So it's already a heightened inf- – it's not like we're going yeah. to a noise complaint. Right. If we if, if we had the option of not handcuffing them, that's what we do. We just handcuff them safety-wise for us, right. them, and anybody else. Right. And so sometimes by having multiple officers, it's uh, it's easier to control and to minimize the risk of injuries uh, or even the use of force. Because if you have three, it's much easier to get somebody under arrest than it is one. So, yeah. So either way, Scott Township sends out three officers. We have Officer uh, Figueredo. We have Officer Kelly. And we have Sergeant Grassley. So we have th- two officers and a sergeant. 
And they went out to this house of Mr. Young. Now, it was a mobile home. Don't really know if that makes any, uh, that really doesn't have any bearing on this case. The, uh, but Young's parents, who filled out the affidavit, and his aunt were there to help talk with the officers and kind of give them some information. And the officers tried to talk to Young, tried to get him out of the house by talking through the walls that he wouldn't open up the doors. He, he just wasn't cooperating. Then the officers, again, trying to figure out any angle that they could use to get Young out without any type of uh, physical force to get into the place or to anything like that. They started having the parents get involved and they even had the aunt get involved because uh, Mr. Young had a special relationship with his aunt. So they, uh, you know, they were using that. They, they were doing their job. They, they spent an hour trying to do that. And that's pretty impressive, right? Some people think that cops just go out and, you know, they don't get an answer at the door in the first minute. They're just busting down the door. That's not right. That's not what we're doing. Uh, sometimes it might not be an hour, but uh, either way, it shows that these officers, especially in this case, how we're talking about uh, qualified immunity. Well, it goes and to help them later on down the road when they, right. you know, have to testify. And, you know, do what they have to say. Yeah, we, we literally tried to talk this guy out without, you know, any type of hands-on or physical maneuvering for an hour. Right. Yeah. And so after an hour, they heard Young nailing the front door shut. Uh, he was barricading it. And just like we talked to Quentin last week, and hopefully we talk to Randall here in the future, our uh, our specialized you know SWAT team uh, member. Once you get a barricaded person, the 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 stakes go up. Okay, so they had to make a decision on what they were doing there. And yeah, because I mean, people outside in the office, they're they're still in the unknown at this point. They have no idea what's going on inside. Well, plus the the complaint is that Mister Young's going to hurt himself, right? So he could be barricading himself and then hurting himself, killing himself, right. and that's like that's right. that's the reason why they're there. So uh, the officers talked to the uh, mother and father. The mother and father actually drew them a small map on a piece of paper that they had of the inside layout of the of the home. And then the mother said, look, do what you got to do. Break a window, bust on the door. I just don't want my son to hurt himself inside. Get, just do what you got to do, which we get that sometimes, you know, Hey, look, break down the door. You know, I'm giving you permission to do it. And you know, it is what it is. We do it. And sometimes we have to do it ourselves, but that's a whole nother thing. So anyway, the officers got inside all three of them. And once inside, they saw that young had greased the floor in an attempt to make his apprehension more difficult, which I've never seen. I have never seen. I have gone into houses where there's water on the floor and other stuff, and it does make it very difficult, but I don't think it was purposefully greased. greased that's pretty, that's pretty impressive. Or anything. I mean. So then uh, they're calling for Young the whole time during this to come out, show himself, uh, turn himself in, surrender, whatever you call it. Well, Young does appear, and he actually appears by running out of the bathroom with a baseball bat and a hatchet, you know, like a baby axe, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and <laughs> and they yes, I know what a hatchet is. <laughs> hey, man, I'm the outdoors guy here. You're not. <laughs> Haven't you ever read that one book? Uh, man, I want to say the main character's name. The audience to help me out. I read this in grade, like grade school. It's the, he's like trapped by himself. He's like a kid, a teenager in the woods, and all he has is like a hatchet or an axe or something like that. Okay, 
you continue talking. I'm going to look this up. All right, go ahead. All right, so the uh, let's see which officer did it here. Okay, so either way, one of the officers used their taser on Young. But guess what? It didn't have the desired effect. Again, tasers are great. Sometimes in the heat of the moment, they are not working just because you are you don't aim right, you don't have a good a good hit. Either way, it didn't have any uh, desired effect with incapacitating Young. But what it did do was it scared Mr. Young enough for him to retreat back into the bathroom. The officers continued to yell for him to come out, and he came out a second time. This time, you know, swinging the hatchet. They screamed hatchet, and Sergeant Grassley shot Young twice. Now. Immediately after, uh, Young collapsed, and they started to do their first aid on him. And uh, he ended up going to the hospital, and he uh, succumbed to his injuries uh, two days later. So the family sued for multiple things, and uh, it included the civil rights violation for excessive force. Um, And this is where the case comes from. So, you know, the court is required to look at the facts of the case, uh, which include, you know, whatever can be said is is actual facts and that can be undisputed this is nothing subjective this is no speculation this is the facts of the case and and this is what you have to look at and the other thing that they have to look at uh is of what the officer knew at the time of the incident because what they cannot use is hindsight because that's not fair to the officers because you can always look back and have more information and have the leisure of sitting in a nice comfy chair and uh, no threat of uh, death or, you know, maiming or cut it, getting cut. So they have to look at the officers, uh, what they knew at that time at that given moment. So now we get into this qualified immunity argument because the officers in the township said, hey, we got qualified immunity here. And what does qualified mean? Qualified means to meet the required standard. Got it. Okay. So, uh, so there, so qualified immunity exists when no clearly identified statutory or constitutional rights have been violated in which a reasonable person would have known. So for this case, do you know, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Patrick. Do you know, why they would why they would be asking for qualified immunity for the uh, for the excessive force for the excessive force probably for the civil aspect of it it's because it was a justified shooting that's what they're saying they're saying well and and, and what I, also with that the justified shooting they take a look at each round well that's i'm going to get into that so okay. that's what they're saying they're saying look we got qualified immunity because because we were within our rights. So we should not be getting sued for this. Right. So, uh, but I want to bring up the fact because the, what I just told you, qualified immunity exists when no clearly identified statutory or constitutional rights have been violated in which a reasonable person would have known. Do you remember the episode with uh, Lynn, our dispatcher? Yes. Yes. And the case for that week was about a dispatcher who asked the caller to go back in, uh, to the, into the jurisdiction so that they could take the report. Because it occurred in that jurisdiction. And what happened to the person? They were killed. <laughs> they were killed. Okay. Right. So the dispatcher received qualified immunity 
because there was no clearly established law that the dispatcher violated and there a reasonable person wouldn't have expected him to get murdered uh by going back right. there so it it applies now let's to- take that let's take that now where you got cities like Seattle and Chicago and say hey yeah you need to go back to that area but nine one one, they're like rioting. Nah, sorry, you got to go back and go take have them take the report. See, and I think that's where it says a reasonable person would have known. Yeah, I, I we get that all the time. It's it's the jurisdiction that investigates and take the incident, right? Right. But either and way, from what I remember, that was one that was like across like the metropolitan area into a whole other jurisdiction. Yeah. And um, th- this and the reason I bring that up is because. Qualified immunity does not just apply to police officers. It could apply to any job profession where somebody's trying to sue you. Uh, and one of the examples that, and I'm going to steal it, we get a, a weekly email blast from a guy, and he used the uh, he used the he used an instance where if if you found this cool new flower in the woods. And for some reason, wanted to come in and feed it to your family because it smelled so good and it, it, you figured you could eat it and it would taste so good. If your family died because of eating it, you could not be held liable because you didn't, nobody knew. But now if they say, hey, guess what? There's a yellow flower that's out in the woods. And if you eat it, you're going to die and you take it home and give it to your family. Well, then you've just committed homicide, right? Right. So it kind of is weird, but it's basically saying it's a, it's just an exaggeration to say I think for, it, for the, the best way to describe for people who aren't familiar with this, it's kind of an apples and oranges analogy, but you can almost like the good Samaritan's law, the good Samaritan's law is protect those, you know, let's say that somebody's having a heart attack and, you know, you have some training in CPR and you try to, you know, serve, you know, revive this person and while you're giving chest compressions or something, you know, may possibly you maybe do more damage. It's you you can't get sued because you're actually trying to help this person, you know, yeah, come back to life. Now if you were just doing it so egregiously or have no training or whatsoever. Like stomping and, on his chest. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole different story. But that's what the Good Samaritan's law is to protect so we're not out just out suing everybody. Yeah. Okay. So we're doing the right thing. The judge ultimately decided that the need for deadly force did not stop before the second shot. So it was, they, they, they were determining the two shots, whether each one was justified. And the judge said, yep, both shots were justified. Okay. So, and then I, I wrote down his quote. It was pretty, it was pretty good. Uh, he says, the facts of this case are tragic. They evoke deep sorrow, yet feelings do not create rulings okay just because it is a tragic incident and just because it is sad it shouldn't affect the judge's ruling when making these. god why don't they give that quote to everything that's going on right now oh my gosh so and he also says as federal judges we make the decisions because they are right right in the sense that the law and the constitution as we see them compel the result so they're basing it off of the laws and the constitution and that's the way things work. And I think that's pretty okay. cool. And by the way, I am a more qualified novel novelist because I were. was right. Yes. And I, I kept thinking to myself, I, that main character's name is Brian for some reason. And it was Hatchet 
It's a 1986 Newbery honor-winning young adult wilderness survival novel written by American writer Gary Paulson. It is the first novel of five in the Hatchet series, including The River, 1991, Brian's Winner, 1996, Brian's Return, 1999, and Brian's Hunt, 2003. Wow. And, it, and it's about, a great and, year. and I remember, I, I remember reading about, about this plane crash and this kid, like, I think he's a teenager. He gets, tries to, I don't know, somehow gets lost in the woods. Okay. Not the song from the Frozen 2 soundtrack, but lost in the woods with this hatchet. And he learns to survive with this hatchet and eventually makes fire with it. Hmm. It's actually a really good book. You should add it to our book club. All right. I might think about it. The hatchet, I'm telling you. All right. Yeah. Dude, I'll read it with it's, my 10 year old like, son. It sounds like, like. Yeah. Yeah. You and I, Isaac could read it too because I think it was, I think I read that in like sixth grade, maybe something like that. All right. But back to qualified immunity, Patrick. <laughs> well, I'm just telling, pointing out I'm more qualified as a, 1986 novelist. I think you're more qualified as a novelist because you've been blogging a lot more lately. <laughs> All right, here we go. So uh, okay, the reason why we wanted to bring up this episode is because qualified immunity becomes a hot topic every couple of years, and it always seems to be misconstrued or blown out of proportion. And we're like, hey, this this has got to be something wow. that we could teach about that people last about. Quote, that last quote you mentioned. I mean, that's exactly what's going on with all these cases. Oh, with the the feelings yeah. trying to decide things. Right. You're saying even like uh, even like some of the rush to uh, to charging is a feeling. Well, the, the big thing right now. I mean, we're, we've kind of not really gone past the George Floyd incident, okay? Or the rate was a Rayshard Brooks. Yeah, uh, we haven't really got past those, but they've kind of like simmered down notoriety wise, and the news but the big ones keep coming up and i think i'm kind of eager to talk about it because i don't know all the facts but i know some it's the brianna taylor case and everybody's getting on uh about arresting the cops for that incident yeah and i don't have all the information to go on so that might be a one we dive into maybe we can get somebody on the show yeah uh so again these come out these allegations come out because they are they come out when there is alleged police misconduct. And what we wanted to say is that qualified immunity does not give cops a get out of jail free card. Right. It's, it's just, it, that's not what it is. When you're doing the wrong thing, especially purposefully, you certainly don't have qualified immunity. And if you do the, if you're doing the wrong, the wrong thing, even though you may not be doing it, on purpose, but you may be doing it negligently or recklessly, you could still, you know, you still may not have qualified immunity. Right. And, uh, and the other thing that I wrote down here, it does not allow cops to commit crimes and it does not allow cops to commit policy violations. Like that's not, you're not getting out of that. You're getting, if it's a policy violation, you're getting disciplined, maybe terminated. If you're committing a crime, again, you might be disciplined, disciplined, terminated, arrested, put in jail, like whatever. It does not give you that, like get out of jail free card. So, you know, that we want to start out with that, but I'll tell you what it does do. It prevents officers as well as anybody else not to be charged with something that maybe not even known is, is against the rules. Or that that when you were justified to do something, that it does protect them for that. 
And uh, and some of the stuff, you know, I've been following some of the qualified immunity posts that have been on the internet on some social media sites. And uh, and and I wrote down some of these talking points is that uh, the qualified immunity does not protect any officer from acting outside of policy or law. I already went over that. And that includes any civil rights. So that's most of the times for the civil rights, you're talking about the uh, search and seizure. Okay. It does stop frivolous lawsuits because we live in the U S and in season one, we used to have this super cool intro where we said that like, uh, you know, because we live in the U S you could be sued for anything. And that's, that's how it is. You, people can sue for anything. And uh, you've read some of the crazy things, but could you imagine if, if there was no qualified immunity and you could call it whatever you want, but whether it be for cops or for anybody else where you could just say that this person did something and you have more money than them and you can take them to court and have them waste their time and energy and money to fight you back when there was nothing to fight in the first place. And this is what something that qualified immunity helps out with. So it probably cuts down on the amount of lawsuits tremendously because you have attorneys that won't even take cases because they know that this qualified immunity does exist. No, it's, you know, it's there for a reason. And if we didn't have qualified immunity, it probably wouldn't be the amount of decent cops that would be working the streets. It's nice that you mentioned that, Patrick, because we're going to get into that in the next little section here. Well, I do have the, the, notes in the outline in front of me <laughs> cheater <laughs> so the uh so some people who believe that they are smarter than the rest of the world who like to hide behind some of our uh, keyboards and uh and it's tell their solutions to end oh, yeah. qualified immunity the twitters uh, is that what you call them no i don't know what what we exactly call them but they're the twitter folk that like to put their two cents in they're everywhere so one of the things that we talked about or that we heard or what i saw was saying that cops have to get malpractice insurance well i can tell you one thing the producer has malpractice insurance yeah well that's because her profession needs it Hmm. okay so so can you see any issues with malpractice insurance for cops yes like what yeah guess what it's freaking expensive right it's expensive. So what does that mean? Do you think the cops are going to be paying for the malpractice insurance? No, it's the companies are paying for the it. The companies. So yes. now instead of now because everybody understands that public safety, fire and police are some of the biggest expenditures in any jurisdiction. Okay? Sometimes much much more expensive than uh than all the other city or township type of expenses. So if you think that, okay, let's just throw out for easy numbers. If you think that right now with your $50 million budget for your public safety is expensive, just wait until you add malpractice insurance on there. You're probably talking double double that for to insure all your cops so that you know the city can't be sued or that officer can't be sued. Or when they do that they're willing to pay out. It would be insane. And you would probably start seeing like inflated prices like we see in the healthcare system where, you know, a, some ibuprofen or some Tylenol ends up costing right. like $30 for two tablets. Yeah. 
So you're going to have an increase in the officer's salary. So officers are going to, I don't even know what the national average for uh, cop salaries are. I'm guessing somewhere around $25 an hour is probably average. So you're going to, you're going to see officers' salaries have to go from 25 bucks. If they're going to be paying for it, they're going to be paying ton more. So then, you know, people are going to be complaining about the much more. Okay, income. So yeah, I was just doing some quick research here. I think so I've been a little, some silent. live research to my research. You're talking like annual premiums. Like imagine like a neurosurgeon or an anesthesiologist. You're talking annual pre- premiums of malpractice insurance. Now this is medical malpractice insurance, of like hundreds, hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. But I could see that being, I could see that being, uh, actually, very very similar because for malpractice insurance for medical you're talking what's the worst case scenario they die they die so what's the worst case scenario for us sometimes they die they die so i mean it could be very similar numbers uh instead of employing you know 50 doctors at the hospital or you know 10 doctors at a local practice you're now doing a you know hundreds of officers right so it's insane no, I was. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm not lying. My, my wife's not the producer. Sorry, is not a brain surgeon, so it's not that much. But she still has it, and it's. I mean, it's costly. But you're making that comparison. Like, if we didn't have that, you know, sometimes things don't go the way we want them to go, and we have to have that. It's almost like a qualified immunity is almost like that. Thick. Not like a shield, but just kind of like that that bubble that wards off those frivolous little like a filter. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's still going to be, you know, every now and again, now, of course you're going to read in the media that happens all the time, but you're going to have those cases where it's justified. Like they're just, we'll be the first to tell you there are certain lawsuits that, yeah, the cops probably should have been sued or charged in that instance. But is that the the common practice? Absolutely not. It's, it's the, the rarity and, you know, just like any other profession, that's we don't want those people working. But you see that like in those instances where the cops were wrong and the the the, the township city or whoever has to pay out an ungodly amount of money for them. A lot of times they're like, you know what? They're out of here. Like we're not employing right. you anymore right. because you're a liability. Right. Definitely. So, I mean, there's some finality to it. And with the finality is. So what happens if 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 Patrick Cortland commit some type of use of force uh, thing and he, and he gets charged with a use of force violation. And uh, so what happens when they, they take it to your insurance company? Does your insurance company pay it as for malpractice insurance? Well, Do they not they, pay it? They would probably have a like step ladder of what the incident is and how much they're going to pay out. Okay. So then does that go on your record as a police officer? Does Probably. it does it go on your? Do you now have problems finding malpractice insurance because even though you've never done anything wrong, because these lawsuits are coming in, nobody wants to insure you anymore. Right, right. I mean, so yeah. the the it could be endless amounts of like problems that you could see going on here. Where even though how many times has or even as a supervisor. You, you could ballpark the amount of times that you get complaints for your officers, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What yeah. if every single one of them were justified? And you can oh, show God. that they're justified. Not, not the complaint, not the complaint, the officer. If the oh. officer was justified, right. but they 
they make the complaint, they file it into the malpractice insurance. How many times do you think an insurance company would just settle compared to oh. actually doing a full blown thing? Almost every time. Would, yeah, exactly. Like even though, even though that officer is completely correct in what they did. Not, actually, that's what happens a lot of times in some of the lawsuits you read about where the, the cities and the townships and whatever pay out. That's what it is. They settle. It's, right. They have a certain, you know, amount that the insurance company will pay out automatically regardless of the status of the lawsuit and anything over there, you know, is now we're going to a hearing. Right. And, and then, you know, obviously the, the, the companies don't want to go to hearings just because that's costly in itself. So there's now a, a legal term for that amount. I don't know what it is though. Mm, what it, yeah, what it call it? Like, almost like the settlement amount for the yeah, insurance. Like company. a threshold. Yeah. Mm. Ah, that's a good word. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a whole thing. And, and then, so, okay, so say that this malpractice suggestion suggestion does work and officers have to carry it or the municipalities have to carry it. So what do you think is going to happen to policing as a police officer? Uh, as I'm bombarded by family members. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, you're just, you're not going to get as qualified individuals wanting to become cops. That's one aspect. So you're not going to get the people that want to become cops because now they're at risk of being sued and right. and and costing right. them money or their family money. 100%. And the other thing is, what's the easiest way for you not to get sued when you're working patrol, Patrick? You don't engage in anything. And what so all you're doing is answering 911 calls, right? That's it. Even and if even though even those you're taking the minimal amount of steps where you I mean it's sad to say but you're you're walking that line where I'm doing just enough to do what I'm supposed to do, but not more that would actually make me get engaged in something, you know, that would potentially be, that would potentially be, uh, you know, Harry. Yeah, exactly. Right. So like the threshold of doing just enough to get by. Right. And again, it's sad to say, because you want police officers to feel comfortable that if they, know the law, if they know the rules, that their municipality and that the lawyers will back them up. Because guess what? When it's time to catch that homicide suspect, it isn't the guy putting his hand behind his back and it's going right. downtown. No, it's always something more involved. Fighting, running, uh, you know, doors getting smashed in, uh, people getting tased or whatever. Like, it's never something simple. And if, I know if, we, yeah, we've mentioned this before. Force, you know, when we have to use force, it's not pretty. Right. It's never it's just, pretty. It, it's a requirement. It, so now, requirement so now when, when, when Patrick goes out to patrol and he already knows that he's already got this malpractice insurance, he's, he's having a hard time keeping somebody to insure him. And he just got information that there is a, uh, you know, a silver sedan that was involved in a shots fired incident earlier in the evening. Guess what Patrick's doing? He's sitting down in all, at an intersection and drink, sipping his coffee, listening to the Elio sideshow and not going out looking for that silver sedan. Because what happens if you find that silver sedan, Pat? Well, guess what? If it's the one in question, it's probably not going to stop for you. And it, it becomes a pursuit. And when you get in pursuit, you get the whole types of liability and all that kind of stuff. Crashes, because, right? injuries, yeah, yeah, yeah. property damage. Oh, my gosh. Where, where does it end? Okay. Yes. And then what What if it's not the, the, the sedan that you're looking for? You know, 
well, it could be something as simple as, you know, you initiate traffic stop, or it could be somebody else who's up to no good. And then you still get involved in something. Yep. Yep. You never know. You never know. And, uh, and you might even get the person who you walk up and you say, hello, sir. Uh, you know, I, I, the reason I stopped you is because we had a report of this being involved in an, uh, you know, an incident earlier in the day. And guess what happens? You have the person who can't stand the police and says, Oh, well, right. Okay. I don't believe you're stopping me for okay, that. You're Frank, stopping me because let's of this. Put that scenario back because if it's a shots fired call, it's probably not you just walking up. You're it's right. maybe like two or three cops <laughs> with guns drawn. And if it's that person that hates it, like, oh my God, blah, 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 you know what I mean? But you're good because you have a legal justification for why you did what you did. Right. right. And you know what? The system right now is that person that we just described goes into the police station the next day and says, I'd like to file a complaint. They, they get the complaint. They fill out the thing. Hey, I was stopped. There were three officers there. The one had their gun out. They, they, they were kind of abrasive in how they were talking to me. Uh, but you know, they, then they ended up releasing me after they telling me that the, I wasn't I was handcuffed. Right. And for you know, right. approximately 10, 20 minutes, and then they let let me go. And then what happens is the complaint goes through the internal affairs, and they do an investigation. They watch the body camera. They watch the the motor, the, the MVR. They they get statements from people, and then they say, you're, you know, hey guy, this the officers were justified because this yeah. happened, and this is what information they were working off of, and that's how it goes. Yeah. But it won't work like that if it, it's not like. Wait, we feel for you, man. Like it, it sucks that uh, that happened to you, and you know, just like people who get stopped, you know, where they claim for no reason or because they match the description of a robbery suspect or something like that. It's there's a reason, you know, we're doing what we're doing because if we're not doing that, there's going to be so many more robberies, so many more shootings, all that stuff because we're trying to get these bad people off the streets, right? And and you won't get that when you're threatening to sue cops for every single thing. Right. I mean, it just, it just, again, so, uh, I'm going to, you can't have your cake and eat it too. I'm going to close down this episode with uh, a thought that I thought was awesome. And again, I'm not going to take credit for it. I'm sorry. I don't incite the username because it was probably not appropriate for this channel, but, uh, you know how they are. Have you ever seen the, the, some of the usernames on some of the, you know, social media, but anyway, So this guy says, look, cops, 99% of cops follow all the laws and all the policies that are in place really, really well. We do a great job at following laws and policies. We're cops. Like, that's what we're doing. Like, we're enforcing the law. We, have, we do a good job of following it ourselves. We do a good job of following whatever policies our agency has set up for us to follow. So what this person said was, look, if you don't want us to chase people on foot, if you don't want us to get into vehicle pursuits, if you don't want us to use force, then change the laws. Go ahead and go to, go to your politicians. Go and change the law. Change the policies. Tell your commissioner to change the policies in there. And guess what? If it did change and that's what the, law, the new law is or the new rules are in your police department. So be it. The cops will follow those rules yeah. and follow those laws. But I mean, I mean yeah, just, I mean, look, I'm not trying to interject. But, I mean, look what the marijuana, marijuana laws are ch- changing 
dramatically every state. And right. guess what? We have to abide by those changes. Right. We're not we're not out there, uh, you know, depending on where you work, we're not out there arresting for simple possession of marijuana anymore. You know what I mean? Like it, it, if you would have asked us 10 years ago, if we would have thought that this was going to be where it's at, I mean, we might have thought that. But at that time, we it was still completely against the law and we were making arrests. We were taking people to get processed, fingerprinted and, and photographed. And it's it is what it, it is what it is. Even even now, there's some jurisdictions who have a no pursuit policy. Well, that's what their jurisdiction, that's what their chief and their boss and the township or municipality, that's what they want. So that's what they get. They don't pursue. So again, it's interesting to me because, you know, the people, and again, I think this is going back to that vocal minority that we talk a lot about, or the people who don't just want to think uh, and educate themselves and kind of put themselves in the officer's shoes that... When it comes down to it, you do want police to have that protection so that they can go out and put put them kind of go out and, and do what cops do and what they've they've done in the past where they're using that the information that they have, that intuition that they have, that gut feeling that they have, at the same time following the training and the laws and uh and how they know things can be done so that to, so that they can keep your jurisdiction safe and make arrests for the criminals that are out there. And I don't think you get that if you take away qualified immunity, even though one thing that I read about qualified immunity is that you really can't get rid of it because it's, you can never really hold somebody accountable for either something that doesn't exist or something that uh, was within the law. So it doesn't, it doesn't really make sense. It just, again, it's like you kind of brought it up earlier. It's just a filter. If the cop committed a crime, they're getting charged. The cop violated policy. Right. They're getting it. And we're not against that. You know, we all, we want, you know, it's, it's, a, it's like, you know, you talk about the legislative, executive, judicial, it's a checks and balances thing. Like we want, you know, we want the, the bad, the bad seeds out, you know what I mean? And, you know, they get what they deserve for the most part. It's just what becomes mainstream is those, as you described, those hairy situations where you know we let emotion get in the feelings get in the way of what exactly the law is and the reason and the justifications for an officer doing what they did, and that's what we're here to discuss and provide some insight on. And you, and you know what it is too, it it goes down to due process. That you know we would ask that the you know that officers would get their due process just like anybody else would. No, that's never going to happen. Well, we can hope. I mean, it, it you theor- it does happen mo- for the most part in the legal aspect of it, but not in the mainstream public point of view. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so that's what that's what it means to be qualified. Yeah, man. So I mean, it was basically uh, what did I say to meet the required standard? So you got to meet a standard. Got to get qualified. You did, not meet the, you did not meet the 1986 novel, The Hatchet Standard. It's a great year. Patrick. <laughs> we were just talking about it was a terrible year. You were. <laughs> 85 was better. Okay. Well, that brings us to a close. We're uh, creeping up to 50 minutes here. Just, just Let's take our sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah, 50 minutes. Getting time for us to go to bed. I'd like people to reach out and let us know if they want us to go longer, shorter, 
if we go shorter then we probably have to do maybe like two episodes a week which we really don't want to do because of our time i mean we actually take time to prepare these and we live busy lives well we, we work 40 hours if we work 40 hours a week at work that'd be a lot easier but we don't really do that we could if we if that's what the audience wanted it'd be yes. we just basically yes. cut an episode in half Right, but then yeah. what's the difference with you just yeah. listening to it in right. half sections? Yeah, you can't really can't really do that. We can we can we can take like maybe longer episodes and cut them into like two parts, but not no half an hour. It's not like it's that type of show. Yeah, Ep- recording podcast podcasting. But again, uh, you know, reach out to us on Twitter, the Gram, Instagram, uh, com. Email us at Patrick at the LEO Sideshow.com or Frank at the LEO Sideshow.com. Ha- you can find us on Apple, Stitcher, Anchor, Spotify. God, what else am I missing? Google. Google. It's Google. Sorry. Sorry. I'm, I'm an iPhone guy. Well, Although I do like I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm using Chrome right now. Yeah. Same here. But I'm just saying, like, go to Google and Google the LEO Sideshow and yeah. go on a ride. Yeah. Give us that five star review. Spread it to your friends, family members, maybe not your four-year-olds, but anybody else in your family. It's worth a listen. We're good. I, I enjoy my podcast. I've been I podcast at the gym. My podcast when I'm driving. It's good for trips. Yeah, I enjoy. Yep. Well, with that, uh, we appreciate the listens. We appreciate all the love that we've get got episode. Yeah. So we'll keep it up. Uh, we'll keep them coming till we get tired of it. And then you're really doomed. So, yeah. all right. Until next time we have episode six coming down. Uh, Patrick has something super special for us. You better be anticipating a great episode. I like hyping me up. Yeah. And it's even going to be later than this episode. I think that time is scheduled to record at like 1130 at night. So we're, it's <laughs> yeah. going to be really interesting. So thank you for listening. See you next time here on the Sideshow. See you guys. See you.